Luke gets 10 minutes in the story to explain 30 years of his absence. Two thirds of them are him drinking milk out of a sea cow. Guess this is the smartest guy in the room. Literally, there's only three of us here. I'm stabbing a fish. I'm going to work. Bestiality. Wait, what? What did you take away from that? This is like, oh no, we're gonna build this up, and now we're killing them off. Why? Mystery. <laughs> general geekery specifically it's a podcast i'm lou i'm ben and today is star wars day what again going back to luke we're mm-hmm. essentially talking about luke right now yeah. on canto bite the second audience i keep splitting this up but mm-hmm. this but it's first perspective I, I think it's a very interesting observations the second audience loved the luke montage the little mini montage of him going out milking nipples yeah jumping across water on look giant at how boring my day is and stabbing giant fishes and all that and luke, luke gets 10 minutes in the story to explain 30 years of his absence two-thirds of them are him drinking milk out of a sea cow and i almost wanted they were dripping from his beard feel like it was some kind of art house film where it was going to go on for like 20 minutes. <laughs> or he's just trying to be disgusting. Like it's not, it's the least Jedi it's thing. St- it's like the most compromising stare of like all the things. They take the one frame and it just plays. It's the most un-Jedi thing is that he's sitting there and he's got like stuff in his beard and you expect him to look up and go, you really want me to train you? Like, yeah. And I wanted like when he was doing all the stuff, I almost wanted like theme music to play. Like I almost wanted like, I'm stabbing a fish. I'm going to work. It just seemed unnecessary. First audience. Okay. The the second audience I watched it with the people that are not normally Star Wars people, they loved it. They were like, this is so cool. And look at the cool stuff he can do. He can stab a fish. And this is so awesome. And look at him. He's filleting an animal. That's why you live on your own planet. (laughs) Bestiality. Wait, what, what did you take away from that? And then in the Star Wars group of, of people that I saw the opening weekend crowd, they were like, are we, we don't need like a montage introduction to the guy. It's what the story has been about ultimately the entire time. And it, again, it just felt out of character. And that is, that is Mm -hmm. coming back to my uh, central statement is this movie just felt like it didn't fit. Like it didn't belong And that character. That version of Luke didn't belong going back to Luke. And, and how we feel about Luke. Did yeah. you did you like the whole thing on Act 2? Like, how did you feel about him and Ray? Yeah. So, um, to to start, to go back to the, the montage, I did think it was pretty ridiculous, but I like certain elements of it. They had some very rote elements of it in the Jedi Temple as well. These things all kind of seem like a bit more excessive. We were picking up the pace a little bit, but earlier you have a lot of very basic things that are going on every day, and... When you're showing these things like drinking milk from a sea cow and 
apparently jumping across the cliff on a spear and stabbing a fish instead of just stabbing the fish from where you were. Right. And things like that. Right. Um, and by the way, are you're we showing, supposed, oh, sorry. And by the way, are we supposed to be showing that he's separated himself from the force? Because if that means that he can just do a pole vault over and hold himself on a tiny little ledge without the force just doesn't make sense. It's uh, like, yeah. it's, it's like, listen, I got, I know you've got, goat now. I know you, <laughs> I know you have great balance, but you're uh, 200 feet in the air. There's gusty winds and you're standing on less than a square inch of ground. Like the most amazing acrobat in the world is going to lose their balance in a windy day there. And it's like, Oh, well look at this. I can just pole vault over and get the fish and then pole vault back and pull it back up. And it's like, but you're separated from the force. I don't know if that was supposed to say maybe he is, but he isn't like he still has some force powers because it's just randomly thrown in there. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no. Um, and that, those parts I didn't particularly like. Um, but earlier on, we have some slower paced stuff. We have the huts. There's a lot of by showing that by showing repeat things you do and by showing the boring banal tasks you'll do. What it can do is it can set a very it, it, it can set a tone. It can set a very like boring vanilla tone and lower expectations and such. Uh, it's a technique that's used a fair amount in, you know, another beloved franchise, Game of Thrones. When Samuel Tarley goes to the Buccanasium. The Citadel. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. When Samuel Tarley goes to the Citadel, you have Samuel Tarley going to the Citadel and they have a, wow, about five minutes of an episode dedicated to him emptying bedpans and stuff working his way up the boring ass shit. But you know what? It worked really well there. If that's what they were going for here, it feels like it was really muddied and it didn't land a lot. Like no matter what. Right. It didn't. Yeah. It it didn't land. I mean, even in the crowd that was, you know, um, the newer crowd, it still basically sounded like they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is a guy who goes around like stabbing fish for, I guess some reason. Cause do they not feed him on the planet? Like he has to get his own food or? Well, again, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it opens up all these weird questions and it, it dull, it, it, they, it feels like it ends up really dulling a lot of, uh, the story they're trying to sell. Cause like, we're going to give Luke 10 minutes, seven minutes of it is him here doing these things. It, it just, it didn't, it, that's what didn't feel like the same movie series to me. Again, central thesis. This doesn't feel like the same movie yeah. to, series to me. And to that point, when you look at Yoda, because you talk about like being goofy and eccentric, and this is kind of our Dagobah scene, is Yoda, of course, is really silly and he's, you know, banging on R2 and stuff like that. And but then and that's just a short little thing to be like comedic and off putting. And then when he's like, seriously, I need to know about this Yoda guy and Yoda turns real serious. And then we have this very serious like, you know, you're not ready, just like your father you yeah. know, uh, I Fuck sent, yourself go right. It's a, it's a short amount. Like you're saying seven out of this nine or 10 minutes. This is the opposite. This is like one minute of like funny little stuff, you know, like that sort of thing. But then it gets serious. And then we start our training. Same thing with old Ben, like old Ben comes out and he's just yelling at people, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> speaking in tongues. Who do you need yourself? <laughs> And then he's just, you know, old Ben out there. And then all of a sudden it's like lightsaber time and sit down. Let's have a family talk. You know, one of those talks. Get that like off da- my sandbox. That like dad or granddad or mom or grandma, depending on your situation, sits you down. And it was like, all right, it's like all fun and games and you're playing trouble. And then you stop for a second. And you go, we need to talk about some real shit. Yeah. Um, they all made that flip. Luke didn't make that flip. Luke was just, I'm, I'm upset. I'm broken. I'm lost with the force. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I've run away. 
Um, I don't want to train you. I don't want to even be part of this whole thing anymore, which is ridiculous because he is arguably, by most people's account, or at least a lot of people's account, the most powerful Jedi to have ever lived. Mm -hmm. And then faced with one hardship, one difficult choice, he turns his back on everything he's ever known since he was a farm boy. Um, And it just doesn't make sense. You know, it's, it's all these, it's just another one of these left turns that's made just for the point of just being different and saying, we're going to go a whole different direction. It's like, but that's, Hmm. you're not playing service to the character. You're knowingly making choices to say, I don't care what you thought about these characters before we can do whatever we want to with them. And this is the direction we're going. The term I'll use that Kevin Smith used in his little review of it was it's fuck you JJ moments. (laughs) It's like, it's like, Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams never actually got into a room together and never go, never were like, well, let's make it like a consistent story. You know, like let's keep the tone the same. What are you doing with this scene? Cool. What are you doing with this scene? None of that. And Ryan Johnson said, he was like, when I was writing this episode, I didn't watch the force awakens. Oh yeah. And I was, and I was like, and I'm sitting here. I'm like, you're making the sequel. These are very different movies. So it it shows (laughs) you're making the sequel, but what kills me about all of this is I was, as I said in the last episode, I was first exposed to star Wars by TBS 4th of July marathons where I wasn't at the pool playing. I wasn't in the backyard playing wiffle ball. I was sitting down with graham crackers and milk and watching all of four, five and six all together, all back to back. It felt like one whole day of a story with a great payoff. This movie eight versus force awakens doesn't feel like the same movie franchise. And that's where my problem lies with it is, is I like the characters. I smiled the whole way through. This is a different movie and that's a different Luke. And that's what bothers me about that is that this is not Yoda and old Ben and they purposefully made it not like Yoda and old Ben. Mm -hmm. This is, this is Ryan Johnson's version of the story and he's chopping down your heroes at the knees. To me, that didn't really, that's not, that's not how I got that. Cause you know, I came from, from the, well, it's been 30 years. We end uh Jedi return of not last of, you know, with this, this victorious, you know, this victorious Luke, he went and he confronted his father and he talked him down from the dark side and all, you know, and you know, I, it's something I've wondered is, what, how does he feel? He set out on this mission. How does he feel about it now that he's seen it all done? Is he super into, oh, you know, there's no such thing as going to the dark side and not being able to come back and redeeming it there? Or does he look at it and say, damn, that was actually a shit ton of work. In the end, I don't know that it really made much of a difference. That's really depressing. Like maybe we're or, not, maybe that maybe this good, bad thing isn't really a thing. Like, and what happened to the character over all those years? You know, I'm willing to, now, they didn't really give you that. They spent a lot of the time. I didn't see it as uh, taking the piss from... Uh, I didn't see it as taking the piss from Luke. I saw it as we're showing you... You know, we're trying to do this uh, thing where we're showing you his life is really boring and he's really separated himself. He's not doing anything extra extra special. Um, we're trying to drive that home through this, like, rote, boring, uh, everyday stuff. Uh, and I just thought it just didn't land. Um Cause that's how I saw it. Like I saw plenty of time for Luke. Um, I saw, I saw the ending of six as not as much of a downer, but as much of a potential downer as the end of five, 
which I think is something I wanted from six, having, you know, seen five and being like, dude, this is awesome. This is not a happy ending. So I wanted a not happy ending for six too. And what I see is a Luke who's not in victory. It's in like a, a bittersweet break, even and possibly a disappointment to what he thinks about how good and bad and everything is. He's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe they're not so far removed and maybe it's not such a big deal. So for, for me, it was, for me, I just didn't like it cause I didn't think it was well done. Um, but maybe I was expecting too much from it. But as far as that goes, I was willing to, I was willing to give Luke the credit um, or the, I was, I was willing to give the uh, benefit of the doubt to the idea that Luke over 30 years kind of went off the deep end because I saw the ending of six is very mixed and even a downer. Um, so I was willing to accept the negative Luke. So that's interesting. Again, knowing, <laughs> knowing Hamill's opinion on it, you know, he's obviously, he's obviously Luke. This is just, yeah. Well, and what I was one, ner- say, one nerd's take on it. Well, what I was going to say though is, is you're right though, is Luke, certain aspects of Luke in that whole little montage scene didn't really land for you, but it, and you were one of the ones that were in one of the early screenings it did land for that second audience that I watched mm. it with. And that's why I say that it sounds like I'm really saying my, my thesis is I don't like that the movie has taken a turn or the movie franchise is, to, is making a turn with Ryan Johnson. It's not that as much as it is, this movie isn't for me. Mm-hmm. It's not for the cursory or even like, or, or even like center star Wars fan. It's for all the people that haven't been star Wars fans. That's what this movie was about. That second screening, the people that still went to go see it, even though they probably wouldn't have ever gone to see one, two, and three, mm-hmm. that's who this movie is for, is getting those people in that enjoyed the montage of Luke, who don't really know who Luke is. Yeah. This movie's not for me. It's not my Luke. <laughs> Hashtag not my Luke. And it's it's fine, obviously, to take a movie a movie in different directions and take whole series in different directions. You can't do that in the second of three movies. You can't make a tone change in the second movie and have a totally different tone for characters than you did in the first movie. At least to me, I feel like a trilogy needs to feel like I'm watching one big... Well, remember, he said he never watched the other movie and they didn't talk either. So (laughs) this this is the inevitable conclusion of that story is the movie's discordant. Right. And that and that and that is and that is a real bummer. Though I think even if they had talked closely, you're going to have two different people. I mean, this is the people who this is you're talking Lost versus Looper. The, the, the whole entire idea of a really good strong theme between seven and eight really was doomed from the get go. I can't really put that at Ryan Johnson's feet. I have to be equally angry at seven because very different creative people who don't even talk to each other. There was no way there was going to be a good like theming continuity. Um, and I think you, I think that's a great point because you have that in four, five, six, you have it in one, two, three, you have a one, two, three. And, and like I said, this movie has made me like one, two and three better. I went back and watched them not nearly as bad as I remember them being. And I probably thought they were bad because I was hoping for them to be four, five and six. They're not four, five and six, but, right. but they are their own thing and they are tonally correct to everything else. The characters are tonally correct. They match who they are. Ewan McGregor is a perfect Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh yeah. I mean, outside of being Sir Alan Guinness himself, the Alec, Alec Sir Alec Guinness himself, a, a young Obi-Wan played by Ewan McGregor is just, it, it's perfection. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what you would think the younger version of that guy would be. Yeah. And it, it can't be, it can't be better. This movie did not match that tone and the characters to me, 
didn't match the characters that they were before. And that's the thing that I have a problem with. As I've taken the, the far side, extreme side on, you know, seven being basically four pretty much, you know, to the beat uh, with time to reintroduce old friends. Even with that, seven was very tonally similar. At the time, I was like, this is really not, we're not ripping off some themes and trying to keep continuity. We're basically just like, ah, we'll just retell a lot of these same stories that were done in four and five and just cram together. It's the same stories. At least it was, since it was a different director and we've moved on in time, at least it was, had some ties back. Well, but that's my point is that it's a reintroduction. It has to be four because not everybody that's going to see fours has seen hope. Right. So it's a reintroduction. The same reason I'm mad about how they're reintroducing Luke and introducing a new version of Luke. Likewise, they did that to the entire series was they, they go, here's force awakens. It's going to be very similar to a new hope. And for all the people that go, what's a new hope. That's what, that's what they're wanting is it's not for us. It's not for the serious or even, you know, outside star Wars fans of four, five and six and one, two and three. This Mm -hmm. is, this is for all the other people. Well, and this is, and this is something that I think affects my consideration of all this as well. And I don't know if it's fair necessarily, but I think this is just where we're at. Disney didn't buy star Wars to not make a profit on it. Disney paid a lot of money to get this. And they just crossed that. And they, Yep, and they already they already paid that back. Yep, they just crossed it with four point six uh, billion. Yeah, so so that was their goal from the get go, and then obviously they just crossed payback. They want to make multiples on it. This is going to keep going. They have to widen the funnel. Disney has to bring in new people. It has to not lose them. So I don't know how much that was. I don't know how much influence that had on the directors and the direction of the movie. But I can say that I know for me. I totally expect us to be going out and trying to grab new people as much as possible and minimizing fan service in favor of bringing new people into the funnel. We're, we're, we're in for nine because you got to close the story and we're in for, um, the side movies. We're in for Ryan Johnson's trilogy. They could cook Chewbacca on a (laughs) spit in nine. We could take C3PO and R2D2 and strip them down for parts finally, like, right. And have a Daisy Daisy scene. And you and I will still be like, yeah, but I'm going to see the rest of them. Right. And but here's the that's, thing. That's guaranteed money from Disney. In my mind, something that weighs on it is this is not going to be always Lucas. This is not always going to have the Lucas consistency. Also, not only is it not going to have that, it's going to have the constant pressure of bring new people in because I need new plastic shit to sell. Right. Here's the thing on the money side of it, though, is you're right. We are into it for we're going to go see all of them. We as Star Wars people. Sure. Um, And they need to get more eyes in. But here's the thing that I guess they're learning after this movie. And I would have never thought of is it was the biggest first week to second week drop off of a movie of all time. Made $220 million in the first weekend and had the biggest drop off percentage wise to the second week of any movie ever. Now, yes, more eyes went to go see it, particularly that first weekend, huge first weekend. But when you think about making movies by Lucas, and I'm standing behind Lucas now, which I never thought I would do as far as being like, I wish he was still running it, <laughs> is is with Lucas films, even episode one, two, and three, you don't have that big drop off and you still are some of the highest grossing movies of all time. Why? Star Wars fans are fanatical. We go see the movies. I saw Force, and again, I consider myself kind of just barely on the far edge, edge of the galaxy, coming soon to Disney World. 
I'm on the edge of the galaxy of being an actual Star Wars fan compared to how much people love and know Star Wars. Even with that, I saw Force Awakens four times, five times, five times, five times in the theater. Um, I saw this one twice in the theater, but the only time I saw it, the only reason I saw it a second time was to be like, is that really what I just saw? Star Wars fans rewatch these movies and make huge box office. This had a huge drop off. And after you account for how much it cost to put out all the advertising, there was a less of a profit margin. Now it still made a ton of money, but it, but there was less of a profit margin as well before and a huge mm. drop off because everybody saw it quote unquote, everybody. So you reach say 20% more people of the general populace, but your 80%, 50% of them saw it multiple, multiple times. Mm-hmm. So you're making up that gap by being like, we're going to kind of make movies for Star Wars fans. That's what Lucas did. Disney's not doing oh, it. Oh no, Disney, Disney's making it for volume. They're 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 following the standard, you know, your Walmart model. You're you're selling these at a loss. Yeah, but we'll make it up on volume. Right. And that's that's totally what's happening to it. One might say that maybe Disney's not leaning really hard on the directors, and this is just coincidence, and it's reading too much into it because there's no proof that there's like. Well, that Ryan Johnson was coerced to be like, here, write the story around the Porgs. You know, he comes back with his first draft. Not Porg enough. <laughs> well, and Ryan Johnson's going to get his own trilogy. And and here's something else I have to say about all of the different things in Star Wars universe. Is obviously there's much, a lot of different versions of Star Wars. I mean, you've got some of the animated series. You've got Rebels. You've got Clone Wars. You've got movies. You've got Christmas specials that never really happened. Uh, <laughs> or at least we, we pretend like they didn't happen. But they have different tones. Um, Rogue One was a war movie like we were talking about. Right. Uh, Clone Wars, the first few episodes of that were technically put out in theater. We saw that. Um, but those were, uh, that that's uh, has a different tone. It has mm. more comedic. Lego Star Wars. It, it's in the, the parlance of all the Lego stuff. Sure. It's still Star Wars universe. You still enjoy it. You still hear all the songs. There's just different versions of doing things within the Star Wars universe. Ryan Johnson's movie midstream seems like it's jumped and that's fine for him to do a trilogy that he makes and create the whole world of it. But to me to jump second movie is what has really kind of set me off about this. But lest we forget, like you were saying, Disney is now making it for everybody and maybe they took a risk with Ryan Johnson. Maybe he's taking the fall for some of these things and they're just going to write them in the next movie. Sure. But you've got JJ coming back to do the next movie and then Han Solo, you got, the two guys that did like what we do in the dark and some other great comedies to make the Han Solo movie, they fall off and doesn't really match what's going on with Disney. And they're like, we'll just go get Ron Howard to come in and fix our movie. And it's like, so whatever we feel about this movie, we have movies by JJ Abrams and Ron Howard with the biggest franchise of all time and the most money behind it of all time. And all of us star Wars people are going, I really think you've messed with my character. I'm not, I don't feel comfortable and I'm doing me right now. This yeah. is my, my person. I don't feel comfortable about what you're doing with Luke and I don't feel it matches his character tonally. I under- All he did was turn off the filter. I know exactly how I sound. So I should feel good with these other movies coming back, but I'm still sitting here going, what'd you do to Luke? What'd you do to Poe? Why am I not getting more Princess Leia? You know, I know like they had already filmed all the stuff they were going to film. Like why is she's so absent from the movie anyway? Don't choke on your ambitions. <laughs> Are you really afraid of Kylo Ren? Do you really put Kylo Ren as daunting and imposing of a character as I'm not even Darth Vader? Of course, Darth Sidious. Uh, Darth I was Maul. I was more afraid of uh, I was more afraid of 
I was more afraid of Supreme Emperor Snoke than I was of Kylo Ren. That's it. And that, they set that up to be like, this is your, yes, it's your Palpatine, but this is an even better version of Palpatine. If you're reintroducing the story anyway, then let him be who he's going to be. And then they literally cut him in half with no backstory, no framework, no emotional tie. Like there's just nothing to him. He's a figurehead that you just cut to be like, okay, now he's moved his way up the chain because Kylo Ren moves up because this guy's dead. And it's like, he was set up to be so incredibly powerful. And then Kylo Ren just goes, yeah, I see it in my head. You're going to turn on a lightsaber. And he reads the tarot cards wrong right. and gets cut in half. Yeah, he, he read them right. He just read the wrong set of tarot cards. If you don't want Snoke as a character, you just don't have Snoke as a character. There's all, all these other things they could have... Um, I'm sorry. There's all these other ways I could have explained Ben's character and where he's getting his motivation from as Kylo Ren. You don't need a Snoke that you're not going to use. I actually felt like a J.J. Abrams take. This is like, oh, no, we're going to build this up. And now we're killing him off. Why? Mystery. <laughs> it's like, I, have you just confused mystery? Like, It's like J.J. Abrams' mystery is like the Smurf. Well, Let's go mystery some shit up. That was the the buildups and the not payoffs with this movie is the part of the left turns that bothered me so much. So you have what you're talking about. Snoke is this hologram, this gigantic hologram. Is he huge? Is he normal? What is he? But obviously he is the the grand poobah. He's the big guy. And then you find him and he doesn't seem to be all that much of a of a of a of a big guy. You know, even in looking at some of Ryan Johnson's other work, I expect oh, cool. I kind of feel like even the things that aren't going anywhere are kind of like loosely related and they tie into something. I, I would feel, I would, I would expect him to tell the story. Well, Snoke wasn't important or was he? Huh? Actually kind of has, a, there's a lot of synergy going on here. A lot of things tie together, even if it's not important. No, it just totally feels like Snoke. Now he's dead. Why? Mystery. It did not and feel then, Ryan Johnson at all. I don't but, know. But it's like why. JJ. It's, I don't get it. It's one of those FUJJ moments. Yeah. Because JJ yeah. builds up Snoke to be like, look, this is your this the most powerful. This is behind everything. This is the true motivating factor of everything going on. Cut in half by Ryan. And then Yeah. But that would totally be a JJ. That should have been the other way. Ryan should have built up the been. character. And then JJ should have cut him down. It's like, what? Mystery. The ultimate version of that. And this it almost enrages me. We're getting to a point of rage now. Luke's lightsaber. Okay. Okay. Maz Kanata has it. She touches it. Rushing for my sword. She has a force vision. It calls out to her as Maz Kanata says. It called out to you just like it did, you know, uh, what, what was the line? It Just like it did to Luke and his father before him. Mm-hmm. And, of course, so many people put that together as being like, we're going to talk about lineage. But if nothing else... Yeah. It means it, if nothing else, it means it's important. Okay. Uh-huh. Not that it's necessarily lineage, although that's what it leans towards. But that scene is going the lightsaber and its connection to Ray are important. Keep watching the series, and eventually we will tell you why that is important. Right. And then you get to Ryan Johnson's movie and literally tosses it away as quickly as Luke does. And then takes that relationship that that the entire movie is, who were my parents? Why did this lightsaber call out to me? 
Why did I have this forced vision? Why is this all calling? It's like, yeah, Ben, great question. (laughs) You were really excited about lineage in this one and who Ray's parents were. How did you feel about that scene? All of this is calling out like the sea calls out to Moana. Okay. Right. Is all of this calls out to her and it's all saying you are part of the Skywalker saga. We are watching nine episodes of the Skywalker saga. Here is the one thing, the one tangible item that transcends all seven movies that you've seen so far. And you know what it means? Nothing. What? What the what? And it's the biggest F-U-J-J to do all of that and then to have the scene, which I don't believe. I don't believe uh, Kylo Ren at all. Okay. But to say that, the if this if this is what we're going with, that Ray is from nobody. Right. That the lightsaber, I don't know, it's quirky. It Sometimes it randomly calls people, you know. <laughs> it's, it's butt dialing, really. <laughs> it's a butt dialing lightsaber. Sometimes it does that. Sorry it reached out to you and you got the wrong force vision. It's a, it's like, a, gra- it's a grandma. It's butt dialing and it doesn't understand cell phones. Showing you a lot of flashy pictures real quick. This was your grandfather back then. Yeah. Why did you call me? I didn't, Mom. You called me. Why am I on Instagram? So for JJ to build up Snoke, for JJ to build up the lightsaber, for JJ to build up Ray, and to take all of it and go, lightsaber, cut in half, Ray, nobody, Snoke, also cut in half. It's like all of it was, it's not just disappointing, It's it seemed pointless. It seemed vindictive. Mm-hmm. It's it, you could tell that those two writers weren't in the room together. But beyond all that, it feels like once they did see like almost like once Ryan did see what he was doing, he was like, that's what you think is going to happen. And just rewrites everything because he can. And of course, I mean, it's his movie to do it with. But why if we're telling one big story here, why set everything up then just to go? It means nothing. Here's an interesting thing. So one of the other things that uh, Lucas did was he had LucasArts and they also made games. And there was a set of really creative people who worked through a bunch of them. LucasArts uh, pioneered LucasArts pioneered uh, a lot of the refinements in the uh, what we now call the point-and-click adventure game. But in, in the adventure game, you used to have to type your sentences out. What LucasFilms did is they had an engine that would help you build out your sentences uh, within the adventure game. They were really thinking about how you tell these stories, what, you know, what is the next generation? What's the next step in these? And there was a creator who uh, wrote uh, Monkey Island, The Secret of Monkey Island, and then Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. I thought it would yeah. have been an electric boogaloo. You have the creative Ron Gilbert working through these, and he knows what Monkey Island 3 is going to be. And he kind of gets shifted on being able to finish a story. And there are other Monkey Islands, but they're not Ron Gilbert's story. He has his story. He knows what it is. He knows what it was supposed to be. He had that planned out, but he never got a chance to tell it. So he's like, no, fucking, I'm taking it to my grave. And I have a lot of respect for that. What I wonder here in Star Wars, we know that Lucas isn't coming back. He didn't want to do it. He sold it. He said, I'm not going to be involved. I wonder if he passed on his thoughts of the story. I wonder what his seven, eight and nine are, especially since he's had like 30 years to think about it. Uh, I wonder what's in his heart of hearts, seven, eight, nine. And I wonder if any of that was communicated and I wonder if any of it was used. I, I really want to know what Lucas thinks. Well, I know a couple of things. One, the whole idea of the Jedi temple and Ray, uh, or as I, like I was saying, Kira, that was all 
already set out. Right. Now, I'll be honest, when uh, from what I've read, when they went to him about episode seven, they took what he had and he, they were basically like, no. And they went to JJ and they were like, we need a fresh story. So basically, JJ was writing a fresh story with just knowing at the end of it, you need to show Luke because we need to go to, to see Luke in the next one. Um, is what I know right. of it. Right. But I mean, I don't read, I don't read that as, um, Lucas would instantly hate it. Like he might look at it and say, Oh, actually, no, that works really well with what I was, with what I wanted for the characters or, you know, I didn't think of it that way, but man, that makes a lot of sense for that character or something. So that's kind of what I'm wondering, like how much, how much was that in there and what would he actually think of it? Well, the one thing I know that, uh, Lucas has a tendency to do that I wanted to happen in this movie that was another kind of F you JJ maybe mm-hmm. even F you Star Wars fans uh, moment mm-hmm. was having Luke project himself rather than being there as the the mentor mentee because with Lucas if we look at them if there's nothing else he loves a good lightsaber fight and mm-hmm. I do too I really wish there was more than just the throne room scene in this movie but he wants to put in a big lightsaber fight at the end of the movie. And that's what you want to see. Of course. If you, I mean, he did, you know, he got to do it in four, five and six, but really when you look at one, two and three, probably the best thing about one, two and three, and I'm again, I'm touting how much I like those now is they had great lightsaber fights. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fight between uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and uh, Obi-Wan with uh, uh, Darth Maul. I, well, it's probably, uh, no, it is. It's my favorite Hmm. of any of the lightsaber battles uh, in any of the movies. And of course, Obi-Wan and Anakin at the end of, uh, at the end of Sith yeah. is just, it's huge. It's epic. I have the high ground. You were the chosen one. Like it's, it's emotional. It's, it's good to see. It's visual. It's great. It's big. Lucas would never have not had a non fight at the end of the movie. And I get like from a plot device aspect, I'm sure a lot of people are like, I really love this. But you know, every Star Wars fan in there was just like, please let us see the greatest Jedi Master ever against this dude and let him just be put in his place. No one has to die, but just put him in their place. Right. Have that old samurai moment where you get where they shut down the the young kid at every turn. It's like, just remember who's the master. You get to see Yoda do that in in uh, in Sith. You get to see Yoda go off. You want to see those things, and and at least Lucas was like, I know you want to see him. Here you go. But Ryan Johnson's like, I know you want to see Luke be the greatest Jedi of all time. You're not going to do it. Now you're going to see something that's impressive, and you're going to have people go, oh, but look how like that's incredibly impressive. And then he became one with the Force, and it was no other Jedi could have done that. So that proved how great his Jedi powers were and how strong he was with the Force. Cool. That's great. We want to see him going face to face with his enemy in the showdown. I, I kind of, I kind of expected it to not be as great. Like I wanted something to be great, but I expected it not to be because I was like, oh, okay, this is some guy who's been you know sucking clam chowder out of a manatee for the past thirty years. So you're saying he's out of shape? Like yeah, like maybe he's not an excellent spar, and there's no one on that planet who's going to spar him. What those little walrus walking maids that apparently habitate the planet and don't care that Jedi is just like, yeah, we're just going to build some hovels here. And I guess you're doing laundry now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe he would have, maybe he wouldn't have, but to me it was anticlimactic to just be a movie that was 
about running. I really, I really would have liked a really good lightsaber fight. There. I, you wanted to see a battle. You expect to see several lightsaber. I mean, this, of course, you know, disappointment is only bred of expectation, but you expect to see some great lightsaber battles and you expect to see the best against the best in a crescendo for the movie. And that's not what we saw was we saw a couple people talking to each other, what you think is a battle, but not what you think is a death, but is not. You never really feel like it's an actual death. And all it is, is taking a whole movie that's about running away slowly. It just the main character of everything you've ever loved about star Wars, just hanging around to give them more time to escape. See, I, and then he just dissipates <laughs> into the, into the ether. I didn't recognize it as the same forest projection right away. But even as early as him coming into cave, I was like, oh, no, this guy said he wasn't coming. Like, he's not coming. He's he's not going to be here. And then um, the salt planet, as we talked about, some of the some great visual effects with the red salt when you step underfoot. He never had the red salt. You don't see it for a while because they lob a bunch of stuff at him and, you know, all the artil- heavy artillery they're firing at him obviously blows all of it to red. And there's a bit of a lag before you really get a good, clear shot. But it was something I was I was looking for because I didn't expect him to actually really be there. And it took me a little bit longer to put together force projection rather uh, as opposed to this character's done. That was actually something I kind of caught. I would have much preferred a big showdown battle and a big lightsaber fight. I think I you know I I would feel bad if I didn't stand up for that scene just because of some of the other stuff that got you know managed to get in all a lot of little subtle things. I thought they were really well done. The subtleties were good, were great. I have to feel like maybe, again, in that boardroom when they're making those decisions, it's like there's one pot smoker in the room that's like, well, what if he's there but not really there, man? Yeah. And Well, force projection I didn't like at the level it was here. There is a line in a book somewhere that's canon that Ryan Johnson points to, and it's a single line that... You mean in Star Wars Legends? That 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 relates to that. But yes, sure. it is it is the aspect of changing the canon to match what you need it to do. But here's the thing. This was the this will be the one aspect of me going, here's what I wanted out of this. Because like I said, stylistically, I'm not the director, it's like grading a paper. Write it how you want to write it, the facts are the facts. But stylistically, here's the one thing I wanted. I wanted him to actually be there. And if he's gonna die, like at least he could be dying, helping get in the rebellion as a spark. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe his death there in person is part of the stark, the spark that starts the the revolution. I wanted him to stand there, and when they were like all fire on him as the Jedi Master, I wanted him to be there, mm-hmm. knock all those shots back to the giant ATATs that we've got. Right, they all go down. And it's just them. And it's just exactly. Yeah. It's just Kylo's ship that just lands, sets down, and you just see him, Kylo Ren, by himself walk out and face his mentor legitimately face to face. That's what I wanted out of that. Yeah. But the whole red herring of like the whole strike me down, I'll stay with you. Uh, you know, and him not really being there, but then he just goes off into the ether. If you're going to go become one with the force, you might as well do it there. Yeah. You can. I mean, you have an X-wing. I'm sure the engine's a little flooded, but sure, we can we can force that water out. We've already we've already agreed through so many movies that we're willing to play fast and loose with space and time a bit. Like it doesn't matter. What's more important is that the story is told. So yeah, he could have gotten there in plenty of time. If he does like Leia, he can just force fly. Yeah. Right. Just force pull himself to that planet because we can pull to arbitrary things, arbitrary distances. But 
that's not the point. Like, we already know we play fast and loose with time and space. There's no reason that Luke couldn't have, we couldn't have had an excuse for Luke to get there. It would have been really nice to see, like, you know, him master all this energy and uh, him master all this energy at, you know, being fired at him and redirect it and use it to basically just leave him and Kylo there. You could have put him in a little bit earlier, whatever, juggled the whole thing. You know, that would have been really cool. And I also kind of feel like, we're doing the Sir Alec Guinness, you know, strike me down. I'll be become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. But I'm not even there to be struck down. At least he was standing right there. At least he was like, you know, at least, at least uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi had to be like, I'm telling this, I'm telling this kid that, you know, I'm going to be one with the force and I'm going through the universe and I'm going to be able to like tug at him no matter what. Jeez, you know, I didn't actually see Jesus on the cross. <laughs> Is this right? Like, am I really going to be one with this force? Is this actually a thing? As... Darth Vader is slinging a lightsaber right at you, you know? Right. It's kind of like one of those crisis of faith moments. <laughs> you know, with Luke, he's like, what's the worst that could happen? He's not going to hit me. <laughs> Only the penalty man shall pass. It was easier Pinter for a camel man. to pass through the eye of a needle. Okay, so I'm going to read you a couple of notes I had on the second time through, and then we can wrap up with mm. uh, movies in order. Fuel and ships. Yeah, so the ships run out of fuel. So at this point in all the technology, we can travel at light speed and all that. We don't have a renewable energy source at that point. I know it's a long time ago, but still, you're traveling at light speed. You would think you would have different ways of powering that other than... Because the idea, I guess, with fuel would be that it degradates. Like it would be that it uh, dissipates, that there's finite amount of it and you're having to make it from fossil fuels or something. You got to get your fuel somewhere. I mean, even in, even in the Star Trek universe, um, you could, you could ram scoop hydrogen, but you have, you still need the dilithium crystals. Right. And you need, you need to stop. You need to refuel. You still need dilithium crystals to control things. You know, it, it seemed, it seemed odd that we had never talked about fuel before. Really? It's kind of one of those things that hit me as one of the, as a, Oh yeah. I hadn't thought about that. I guess they do have to have fuel somewhere. But it felt completely unnecessary to me because, so you have this capital ship. We know the First Order's on our tail. We're just trying to evacuate this planet. And that's what we open in. We open in this attempted evacuation that's not 100%, not completely successful. So why not have the First Order just get there earlier and the capital ship doesn't have enough fuel for another light, you know, a light jump? and hasn't had enough time to get fuel off the planet. It's been focusing on people. Why have one light jump and invent this whole following through warp thing when you can have zero light year jumps and like just not need that? Well, here's what bothered me about it is once they got to where they're behind um, the rebel ship that's slowly leaving them and they're like, well, they're staying out of range. All I can think is you have multiple ships. There's no out of range. Like we can, you guys don't have a fuel problem. They have a fuel problem. Right. You know, first order doesn't have a fuel problem. Rebels have a fuel problem. So the first order could just be like, "Hey, ship one, you go east. Ship two, you go north. Ship three, you go west." <laughs> and listen, and then and hey, then, Rick, you still use north in space? <laughs> Jesus, Jerry, you guys go in different directions and just come back in four different in three different directions from how I am, and then let's all just kind of close in on them. That could have been done so quickly. I mean. I assume you could just jump out, jump somewhere else. Cause I mean, you can't jump in from light speed, like a few feet, right? Jump somewhere else, the other direction, jump back, corner them and you're done. Like, why would you just troll behind somebody when you have all the fuel in the world? Maz Kanata 
So when she's talking to them, she says, this guy is a rarefied code breaker who we see later as uh, Justin Trudeau, but we don't actually get to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they, so they're supposed to find uh, this Justin Trudeau dude, uh, the master code breaker. And then they're like, we're not going to trust anybody. And then Benicio del Toro, all he does is pick the lock on a jail cell. Right. And that's it. That's all you need. You're like, guess this is the smartest guy in the room. Literally, there's only three of us here. All the dude did was open up a door. It's like he slid a credit card through like a, a locked door and opened it up. And you're like, guess this guy's a genius. Oh, and I didn't understand this. And maybe somebody can answer this for me. Is uh, when Kylo Ren and, and Ray are having their little like force talks with each other. Kylo Ren and Stimpy. You idiot. <laughs> when they're doing that and she's in the rain. You remember the, the time that they're talking? She's oh, in the oh, rain. Oh, oh, oh. Ben and Jerry Ray's. Good for you. Good for you. She's in the rain. She's talking outside the, the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. and they're talking back and forth with each other and they have this connection where they can talk. After the conversation gets done, he wipes away water. How? Like, like. Oh, it was sweat. The, no, it's supposed to be rainwater. He's like, he's got rainwater well, on him. It's supposed to be. It's sweat. And I'm like, but like, I get when the force is used. Hey, to you exp- asked for an explanation. You didn't ask for a good one. I get it when the force is used to explain like plot problems. But this is just a total, like, I don't get it. Like, he's standing there talking. They have this connection through the phone. It's like hanging up the phone and then your hand's wet because somebody else was talking in the rain. It's like, but what, are you trying to express that the Force has this power now that we're not aware of? Or are you just doing something just to make it visually fun? Like, what are we What are we doing here? Anytime, anytime you get into something that reeks of sci-fi, you're always going to suspend a certain amount of disbelief anyway. So... Sure, you know, teleporting water across distances and instantaneous things like that. You know what? Sure. We we're not we're not perfect with physics. We there's a lot we're still trying to figure out and while, you know, a lot of this stuff seems really unlikely based on what we know, this is also there's a certain amount of science uh, fiction suspension disbelief, so you kind of got to just roll with it, but it really opens a lot of questions like so so if that water can move over is Luke just not really all that powerful? How come he wasn't there actually doing, you know, right. lightsaber shit and like interacting with things? things That's like. what it said so, to me. That's what yeah. it said to me is like, oh, if you can get water on you, that means you can actually cross that border. So then you can force protect yourself and then you can still fight there. How incredible is that? Is if he force protects himself there, we get the, um, the foreshadowing of Kylo Ren getting the water on him from the conversation. And then he actually fights Kylo Ren and then when he goes through him with the lightsaber, at that point, now he's made himself just the projection rather than imparting himself physically. And then it's like, oh, I'm not really here. But even with just my mind, I'm stronger than you are. I can project myself across the cosmos, fight you, be stronger than you, and then not even really be here. How belittling is that? But instead, we don't take advantage of any of that. And it's like, well, now, again, there's no point for him to have water on him because it's like what plot purpose did that serve none so we got to finish up with we're putting these movies in order now okay we're putting them in order okay i would say let's go least to best okay in order we've got the eight films what's your huh oh yeah rogue thank you uh, sorry, eight eight episodes and and mm. rogue. So talking number nine, what would be your number nine? In oh, this? one, episode one. Yeah, I'm actually going to say episode two. 
I respect that. I, I, went, I went back and watched the first three. In episode one, even though you don't get Anakin, that's almost to the benefit of the story. Mm-hmm. Pod it racing is. is fun. And 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 um, Dooku, I'm not Dooku, um, uh, Maul is one of my favorite, if not favorite Sith, as far as movie versions. I mean, sure. you know, Darth Vader is Darth Vader, but dude... <laughs> That 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 fight scene to get Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, and Maul in a fight scene like that just it's it, it is really really good. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I put that to to flip orders. I put that as my next movie in the list as as number eight. Uh, I put two as nine, and then I put uh, episode one at eight. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm just the other way, but uh, I respect that. Okay. So what what's your number eight? Well, my number eight would be uh, uh, two. Episode but two. Yeah. So we're just no, the first. Yeah, yeah, we're just the opposite ways. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. You gotcha. think two is worst? I think one is worst. Right, 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 right. So, so what's in your seventh position? Honestly, mm-hmm. probably six. That's that's pretty tough. I'm gonna say Rogue. Really? I'm gonna say Rogue. Wow. I, lo- I love Rogue for what it is, but I want to see more more Jedi in in my Star Wars. Legit. Movies. That's fair. I mean, I want to see some lightsaber battles. Yeah, I do. I want to see some 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 things being thrown around, some force chokes, some mind tricks, yeah, all that so, sort of thing. So after Rogue, we're back into uh, you've you've uh, you don't have an escape from the trilogy now. You now have to pick the next worst trilogy movie. I do, I do, I I gotta go Revenge of the Sith, even though I really mm-hmm. do like Sith, um, and I love the end of it. I I rarely rewatch it. Yeah, because because uh, Sith is Sith Sith is my next. I have Sith above Jedi. I just uh, Return of, not Last of. All right, so number five. So let's see. I've been obvious. I thought one was worse than two. Then I put and then I put Return of the Jedi and three. Mm-hmm. I burned through my original trilogy. Mm-hmm. I'm at six. Uh, probably seven. I think is my next. Really? Yeah. At that point, I go six. So so yep, Jedi. That's fair. Jedi for me at that point yeah. falls in at, at number five on that. Yeah. I've used I've used seven. Uh, for my fourth spot. Yeah. yeah, we got four more. Yeah, number four. Yeah, number four. Uh, it's 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 got to be eight. It, it it is for me too. It is for me too. I have a greater appreciation for the prequels now that I've seen yeah. slash lived through eight, uh, and lived through what the world is. And a lot of it is just fear of what's coming. But now that I've lived yeah. through what the world could become. For notice, Star Wars, you, notice, you know, eight's higher up. I mean, it's number four. So yeah, yeah, it's still higher up. It's still a good movie. Yeah. I still enjoyed it, but it's beat but, the trilogy. But I really thought it was going to be one or two for me. I mm-hmm. really did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess I've been leading them off. We're on three. Yeah. Uh, n- next is Rogue. I really liked Rogue. You really liked Rogue. I really That's did. Really high. What was it about Rogue you liked so much? I liked that it was a Star Wars story that was not in the Skywalker, you know, saga. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was not part of the Skywalker saga. It led into four. It led into mm-hmm. us finding Luke, but nothing about it was particularly important. Like Leia puts these plans on RG on a disc and gives it to R two D two, or many Bothans died to bring us this intelligence. We don't need to know about it. That's mm-hmm. always been the modus operandi. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the way we've always operated in the Star Wars universe is here. I'm giving you something. This accept this unobtainium kind of thing. Right. right. And you're like, cool, right. done. Awesome. Uh, Rogue One. What I really liked about it was, you know, this was kind of a story in there. So it, it was as much as it was involved in that star in that Skywalker saga. It was not to my mind, in my mind, part of the Skywalker saga. It was a 
Star Wars movie mm. and our Star Wars story. This was a Star Wars story and it really did something different. And it was true to the theme of the rebellion and sacrifice and roguishness. And I thought that they did a really good job of telling a story that was in the stars. This felt like a EU movie to me. Mm-hmm. This felt like everything I wanted out of that in the original Star Wars live action kind of style. This is what I'm hoping for by having Disney buy this and saying, no, we're going back to the Star Wars universe. It's not that I don't want to finish seven, eight, and nine. It's not that I'm not interested in the Skywalker saga. I don't know that this is Lucas's Skywalker saga. I grew up on Lucas's Skywalker saga. I really wanted EU movies and stuff. And Rogue One was that to me. Rogue One was, there is more in this world of Star Wars than the Skywalkers. Not that I don't like them. You can't give me 10, 11, and 12 in a Skywalker saga. Right. You need to give me something else. Right. And that sounds like what we're going to do. Yeah. So moving on to, to number three, three mm-hmm. is, and I'm even still debating it as we're talking here, is A New Hope and A New New Hope mm-hmm. are my are my two movies that, wow. that fall into that that place. And it's hard for me to figure out which one, but I'm going to say after rewatching four, five, and six and rewatching uh, Force, mm-hmm. my number three spot goes to Force. There was a time that it was number one. I like I watched it more in the movie theater than I've ever rewatched a movie in the movie theater of all times. You know, I saw it, like I said, I saw it five times in the movie theater. Yeah. Uh, and countless times after that. I loved every bit of it. I thought it hit every single beat. The only beat it does not hit that it can't hit is 10-year-old Ben never saw it. 10-year-old Ben fell in love with, you know, the 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 John Williams score. Yeah. And it, and Han Solo right off the bat. It was just yeah. it was just my favorite character easily right off the bat. Force Awakens hits everything that these movies need to hit. Poe is amazing. Poe's my second favorite character in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Um it, it gives you nostalgia, it gives you new stuff. They carried the the baton like we were talking about uh, previously. Um, I think it hits everything, but it's just still not, it doesn't originate everything. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't start the ball rolling and without Star Wars coming from nothing, that jump of nothing to that Mm -hmm. is what puts those in position for me. So three, and obviously, you know, my two, three is fours. I mean, I think uh, it's pretty clear that nostalgia has a lot to do with where I'm at because now my two is going to be a new hope. What's, so your three is Rogue. My three is Rogue. My and two, two is, is Hope. New, yeah. Do you prefer to call it that or do you want to just call it Star Wars? I mean, I'm not talking about between me and you, but just in general, like it was called Star Wars for so long. I mean, I know it starts off by saying A New Hope, but it was packaged as, do you want to watch Star Wars or do you want to watch The Empire Strikes Back yeah. or do you want to watch The Last Jedi? Well, like, I didn't I didn't watch it in 77 in the theater, so right. I'm not tied to that. Like I knew that there were three Star Wars movies. You know, for me, for me, it's easy to say something like Die Hard. Die Hard was the first movie and then there's a trilogy, you know, Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 1, 2, 3 and 4. Right. For me to think of for me to think of the first episode of Star Wars as Star Wars is kind of just one of those things where it's the first of. Yeah. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, too. You know, I don't really separate. I don't separate the two as much. It doesn't really matter that much to me. I know that makes me a terrible person. So when it, whenever, whenever I'm talking in context of a lot of the Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. like here right now, when we're ranking them all, mm-hmm. I, I tend to use the episode numbers just to clarify back years ago. And I promise this is a relevant story. Okay. Um, my friend introduced me to a game on the super Nintendo final fantasy four. Loved it, except it wasn't called Final Fantasy 4. Final Fantasy 2, right there on the cartridge. Final Fantasy 2. And I was like, oh, it's Final Fantasy 1. Then I found out there was a whole Nintendo game. And 
went back and played that. And I was like, oh, wait, actually, I did play this game. I just, I guess I didn't like it that much the first time because I forgot. Point being, US has Final Fantasy 1, Final Fantasy 2. Final Fantasy 2 is Final Fantasy 4. There's a Final Fantasy 2 and 3 that came out for the Nintendo. I never knew. So as I started putting these pieces together, I was like, oh, actually, the numbers are important in the context between the two because you can end up on two completely different timelines. So whenever I think to this day of things like we're ranking eight Star Wars episodes plus some other movie, I think, okay, we got to use the numbers now because there's too many things to keep track of. Well, yeah, it's like what I was just uh, thinking about is, you know, when we talk about the Indiana Jones movies, like I'm just as guilty as everybody that I am like, oh, well, you know, it's Indiana Jones and then the Temple of Doom and yeah. then um, the the Last Crusade. And it's like... And the Temple of um, Last uh, Crusade arc skull. No skulls. Zero skulls. But no one calls it Raiders of the Lost Ark. No one's like, do you like that in Raiders of the Lost Ark movie? And it's like, no, it's Indiana Jones. Like, right. <laughs> that's... I realize what the cover says, but we all know what the movie is. So we all already know what our number what, what our number one movie is for for the Star Wars yeah. and the pantheon of Star Wars. Why? Why does it? Why does that make Empire for you? What makes Empire Empire to you? Yeah. Empire ends on such a downer. Clerks, really? Yeah. That's why Dante. That's why Dante doesn't like uh, Empire. Right. As much. Right. Man, man, Empire ends on such a downer. <laughs> but that's what's. But I, I'm totally a Randall here. But that's what's so great about it. This was a movie that was not like I really enjoyed the Back to the Future series, kind of contem- contemporary-ish, contemporary-ish for me in my experience with them. Back to the Future Part Two is kind of this awesome. We're doing you know big awesome things. Oh, a train to be continued. You gotta follow us. This is gonna be awesome. At the end of Empire. This was a very different thing. This was clearly a big budget movie made for people to go out and see the movies. First off, I am your father. Spoiler alert. Um, 35 years later. This, 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 was, this was massive, right? Um, this was not at all what you were expecting. You knew, you knew Luke's dad was dead and he was going to kill all the evil and his dad was great and all this stuff. But there's also this whole thing where, wait, this guy's his father. He's going to chop off his hand. He didn't think, man, when I was like rolling around burning in a magma field with no limbs, that really fucking sucked. I don't want to do that to somebody else. No, he was like, you know what? You know what? This is good for you. This builds character. Still parenting to this day. Yeah. Like these are, these are massive things here. It's my favorite for similar reasons. It's the reasons of why TV now I say is so good. Mm-hmm. The storytelling in TV now is so good because you don't have to adhere to the rules of like introduction of problem. Um, you know, looks like it's a dire situation. Solution of problem is that you can have core characters die. You can have shifts in, in where you think things are going. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's not that way. A good guy is a bad guy. A bad guy is a good guy. Or the whole idea of like, not everyone's just truly good or bad. It was back in a time when you didn't have movies that kind of hit that gray area. Mm-hmm. It was, this is good versus evil. Then you have some turns of like, is he that evil? It's his dad, you know, right. Some turns and, and and some turns of like, well, Luke's just going to go learn like everything and be awesome. And no, he doesn't really. He never finishes his training. He can't do the stuff he needs to do. He's frustrated. He's whiny. You know, it, it, it is, it's showing weaknesses in people and seeing them overcome despite weaknesses, you know? Yeah. And now this is, you know, you're, we're talking about how this is a thing you can do now. 1980. 
Right. Like that was not, that was not what you expected the second movie and what you know of, you know, post fact to be a big budget thing. Right. Like we watch TV shows now and I'll use like an example like Downton Abbey. Yeah. I'm going to say Downton Abbey and you have certain characters. Uh, Thomas is the one that I'll use if you're familiar with the the show at all. No, but okay. Um, is like right off the bat, you're like, Oh, well that guy's a jerk. Like, Oh, he's obviously the jerkiest of all the jerk people here. At least I have this one guy can point to being a jerk. And by the time you get like halfway through the series, you're like, I understand his motivation. I get why he's a jerk. I'm sorry he's a jerk, but I still wouldn't be like that. And by the end of the show, you're like, that's my favorite guy. (laughs) That is, you know what? I would do anything for that guy. It's like you started off by going, he is evil incarnate. You know, as we've said that Darth Vader is supposed to be, but he's not evil incarnate. And that's something you did all the way back in 1980 is to go, well, he's not as bad as you think he is. He was a kid. And he had some issues and he loved somebody. And ultimately his motivation was actually love. You know, the kind of love that, you know, usually you get a restraining order on, but yeah. <laughs> so for, for me, the storytelling of it, and like you say, not as much so for me, but not as much so the ending of like, what's going to happen next? Cause it does kind of end cliffhangery, but it gives you a lot of progression and resolve. Yeah. You get the, Oh duet. yeah, no, it, it totally, it's not, it's not the back to the future part two. We're literally starting the next movie right now. Just stay tuned. And these scenes are literally from Back to the Future Part 3 that we're taping and is already half done. Like, this is a very, this could be it. Like, you know what? This kid kind of left when he was still in training. He doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe, maybe this is it, you know? He gets on the Millennium Falcon and they figure out what's going on with his hand. And he's like, no, you know what? Fuck it. This is dumb. I'm done. You don't know what to expect out of three. It's they're just, like, just yeah. They're just looking out at the horizon and not knowing what to expect. Hey, remember Han? Guess what? He's getting his comeuppance. <laughs> And this has been General Geekery. Specifically, it's been a podcast. He's Lou. He's Ben. Oh, I was supposed to have a fact. Famous quotes. Pop culture reference. Okay. Counterpoint. Downward inflection. Upward inflection. Thank goodness for Chef Boyardee. It's in your grocer's freezer. <laughs> Sounds like a horror film. The food is coming from inside your grocer's freezer. Kylo Ren and Stimpy. You idiot. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Ben and Jerry's. <laughs>